Hey everybody, this is Fred Ricciani of TSC, your home for pro wrestling news updates, presenting you guys with a special throwback interview with NWA world champion and former TNA world champion Nick Magnus Aldis. This was taped in August 2015, right after he left TNA Impact Wrestling, and we talk about his illustrious TNA career, being on the indies, becoming a father, becoming an author, and much more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this interview right before All In. I have right here on the line a very special guest. He is a wrestler, actor, former world champion, and now an author. I'm talking to Nick Aldis, a.k.a. Magnus. Magnus, how's it going? I'm doing good. How are you? Doing great. Now, now should I address you as Magnus, Mr. Aldis, Nick? What, what, what's the proper title? Dad? Uh, Sebastian, you know, Red, whatever you want. No, Nick is fine. <laughs> Very cool, very cool. Now, you just released the Superstar Body Book, which you could all get on Amazon.com, and you've been uh, in pretty great shape for as long as I can remember you know, seeing you on TV. Why was this the right time to release a book? Um, well, it, I mean, it, it, the, the release date was really sort of depending on when, <laughs> when I finished it and when it got edited and rewritten and stuff like that. So it wasn't, it wasn't like we had a calculated time. We actually penciled in, um, to release a little earlier than we did. Um, I signed the publishing deal probably a year ago, maybe a little more. Um, and, and, and we've been, you know, I've been working on it when I had, when I had the time. Um, the, the, the whole thing came about really because, um, Carrie Dunn, who actually edited the book, um, is a, is a, a freelance journalist. She writes for the times and all sorts of other, um, people in, in, in England. She had covered me a few times. And she had written a book about British pro wrestling, um, about the history of it, going back to the world of sports, sort of golden age, and now the sort of renaissance that, that British pro wrestling is really undergoing now because the scene is, is, is really hot. And um, she asked me if I would be willing to be on the cover of the book. And I said, of course, you know. And um, it was just one of those things where just, just I, I never, you know, I always try to research everything. You know, obviously if I'm going to, uh, you know, allow my, my face and everything else like that to be used and contribute and all the rest of it. I, I looked into the publishers and realized they were a sort of sports-centric, um, UK-based publisher. And, and so I just sort of, we, we we just started up a dialogue and they'd asked me about a book. And I just said, well, look, I'm too young and I haven't really done enough to, to have a, a book book. You know, but uh, but if you want to work with me, I've always wanted to write a fitness book. And, you know, when I do meet and greets and my Twitter and, and, and my emails through my website and stuff, you know, a, a very common thread a lot of the time is guys asking me for advice on, on fitness or what to eat or, the, you know, or, or how to improve their physique and stuff. So I just, well, how about that? You know, I, I've, I've loved health and fitness as long as I've loved wrestling because they sort of went hand in hand once I made the decision as a, as a young kid that I wanted to be a wrestler, I immediately started lifting weights because in my mind, that was what you needed to do. You know, it was just common sense. So really, as long as I've loved wrestling, I've loved working out and bodybuilding and health and fitness. So. And is it hard for you, at least maybe at the, at the beginning, what, to kind of find a balance? Because on one hand, obviously, you look great, you do bodybuilding. But, you know, bodybuilding workouts aren't always necessarily conducive to, say, you know, moving very fluid in the ring. And, and having having the best cardio. How do you find? I guess how do you and your colleagues kind of find that balance between you know looking great, you know aesthetically, but also you know being prepared to do what you do in the ring. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's very dependent on genetics. Um, you know, typically, 
I think that that's a bit of a misconception with with bodybuilding, as because when I when I say bodybuilding, and I write about this in the book, when I say bodybuilding, I'm literally referring to the process of lifting weights and and living in a certain way in order to improve your you know your your physical development, whether that be added muscle mass, but also you know a, a, a better proportion and you know symmetry and everything else, not just simply size. You know, I think that modern bodybuilding as a lot of people sort of know it especially from the last sort of 10 20 years is all about mass whereas what i'm referring to is really just the sort of activity of improving your physique through resistance training but um i think that in truth i can only speak from my own experience i'm i'm very ectomorphic which means i'm very long and and slim and if i had not lifted a weight in my life i would probably be 170 pounds you know what i mean at six four so i mean I can honestly say that my athleticism, uh, my flexibility, my explosive power, my speed, you know, really all improved as a result of, of bodybuilding, you know, because I, I trained, you know, I try and train in a balanced sort of way, but also with dynamic stuff. And, you know, I think that um, finding that balance really just comes from maintaining a, a level of sort of functionality in what you do. Like, so as long as you, if you're bodybuilding every day, as long as you're wrestling and uh, practicing and, and, and staying, lim- you know, limber and stuff like that, you, you, I don't think you're going to really suffer um, in terms of mobility and stuff, you know, because it, it's just one of those things. It does really, you, you, you're too much in control of it to ever, you know, it's not like you're going to wake up one day and just be too big to do anything. You know, you're very much in control of it, so... A lot of people may not know this, but you're under the age of 30 still. You're a new a new father, former world champion, accomplished uh, quite a bit in TNA. Uh, now, in addition to, to tackling writing a book and, and of course, it, everything like that, being a, being a parent, you're now a free agent. How's this experience yeah. been for you the last couple of months after being with TNA for so long and then before that, you know, doing some hosting work and gladiators? Well, what's this experience been like for you? Um, I always, you know, I always, I always try to maintain my hustle as much as I can. Um, you know, I, I was fortunate, you know, I, I took a bit of a plunge early on in my life to, to, to sort of forego, uh, you know, I decided like there's nothing really I want out of life that requires a college degree. Um, and I just, I just thought like I'd rather not be in a load of debt. So I just, I decided to forego that even though I was, you know, sort of tipped at high school, I just skipped a grade and was like tipped as like, you know, someone who should who would do very well academically and something like that. But I just said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel it. You know, there's just nothing, I don't, there's nothing I want. I just think that everyone who goes to college, a lot of people are just hiding away from the real world and just, and just end up with a load of debt and you still end up in the same position you were before. But that's a, that's a, a, a different topic for a different day. But, um, I got into the business young, um, is my point. And then, was able to get a break. I'd been, I was wrestling full time at 18, and then I got a break at, at, at uh, 21 with Gladiators, which obviously opened a lot of doors for me. But I, I think because I was such a student of the game when it came to wrestling, that I was already very dialed into the idea of taking advantage of absolutely everything and really looking at the business side of things. Like I remember being the youngest guy on that on that roster, and always being the one that asked the most questions. You know, when it came to contracts and appearances and everything like that, I was always the one hustling for more stuff and 
you know, working with more, you know, just, just doing more. And I remember a lot of the other cast members on that show being like, how do you think, you know, do you have an agent or like, what's the deal? Like, how do you, you know, think about this stuff? And I just said, no, I just, I'm in the entertainment business, you know? And, and, um, I think that for me, that, that, that's always been my thing is always just to try and, you know, you don't ask, you don't get, you know, and it's just, it's just, especially in the entertainment business, you just got to hustle. And certainly in the last, um, couple of years, of my TNA run, I really lost my hustle in a lot of ways and found I've got into a little bit of a comfort zone, which is one of the reasons why when I made the decision a while back um, that when my when my contract came up this time, I wasn't going to discuss another one and was going to sort of venture into the unknown. Like, it was scary, but at the same time, it was like so exciting and such a relief in a lot of ways. That's great. And with this free agency period, you've been doing some work for Global Force Wrestling, which, you know, no, no spoilers here, fans, but, you know, there is some work being done, at least on TV, with GFW and TNA, and, of course, they've been doing their ballpark tour. They did their TV tapings. What, what's it been like for you in a GFW? I've really enjoyed it, honestly. I, I mean, first and foremost, you know, I, um, I, I, I have a lot of um, I have a lot of time for Jeff and a lot of loyalty to, to Jeff. Um, he... He really uh, internally at TNA was was um, the first guy. You know, Dixie was was the person who really sort of discovered me. But it was Jeff who really, who to me really sort of understood what you know who I was and what I could be. And he was the guy who said, you know, you guys aren't, you know, you've got a you, you've got a rough diamond here. Like you're not, you know, you're not taking full advantage of this investment. And he was the one who sort of proved it in India, um, which really sort of was a almost like a um, a trial run or a dry run for, for, you know, me being champion. If you look at, if you go back and find any of the Rinka King footage, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of things that were essentially recreated, uh, impact, um, you know, a couple of years later. So, you know, Jeff was really the sort of the architect of that. Um, and it's just been amazing to me how it's a real skeleton team, you know, but Jeff, the, the great thing about Jeff is Jeff really understands talent, but he also really understands, I mean, he understands the business. He's a third generation guy. I mean, you know, his family had been in the business for, you know, in one way, shape or form for, gosh, almost a century. And he, he just, he knows who gets it and he, uh, with regards to talent, but also staff. So he surrounds himself with just really, really good people. Um, whether it be, you know, Sandra Dutt, who's, who's, tremendous you know tremendous talent in his own right but also you know very you know very hands-on in, in a lot of other areas he wears a lot of hats for global scott Demore, who had worked closely with me um anyway you know uh, after he had left tna he still worked with me and with bobby Roode and, and a few other guys um another guy who's a tremendous businessman and, and really understands the business uh you know and, and, and there's a lot of guys like that who just surround himself with so despite the fact that he's really working with a, you know, he's working with a budget to start up. Um, it's amazing to me how smoothly everything runs, how how it feels so, you know, it's very professional, but there's, there's, you know, there's not a lot of hiccups. Um, and honestly, the Vegas TV tapings, you know, we had a great house. I'm not sure of the exact number, but I think it was somewhere in the region of like four or 5,000, which, which we thought was, a, you know, great success. It, all these have been so, so great for us. But also, I just remember being there and thinking, you know, uh, this is going so well. Like, this is going so smoothly. There's, there's about 
one third as many people as I'm used to seeing at a TNA TV taping, and yet it's running so smoothly. It's like everything's on time. No one's panicking. No one's like running around going like, "Where's so and so? Like, what's happening?" You know, blah, blah, blah. everyone's where they're supposed to be. Everyone's dialed in, and everyone's like, all the talent were back there watching the whole show. Everyone's like chit-chatting with each other, complimenting each other. It was just, there's this real, like, feeling that everybody wants this to work and, and be successful, and it looks like such a cool energy to be around. Now, the elephant in the room, though, and it, it, do, it does look great, and I've heard a lot of great feedback, is, of course, uh, the TV deal and everything, or, or lack yeah. thereof at, at the moment. And then, yeah. of course, you know, we hear, we've heard the stories this last few months about TNA and their situation with Destination America, and even with ROH, they just lost their time slot prime time at 8 p.m., from Destination America as well. Uh, in your opinion, just working for you know different organizations and, and, di and different groups and everything, and it seems like TNA and GFW are doing this right now anyway, but do you think it's in the best interest of TNA, GFW, Ring of Honor, and maybe a couple other promotions to kind of, in some ways, uh, band together? I mean, I'm not saying they'll necessarily um, compete with WWE, but at, at least uh, maybe be able to form some type of alliance to benefit all parties? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in theory, I mean, it's very, it's very easy to say from the outside looking in. It's, it, I can certainly see the benefit um, for the fans. Um, I think that the idea of maybe doing like a, almost like almost akin to what New Japan do with Wrestle Kingdom at the Tokyo Dome, which is essentially a showcase of the best of New Japan, but also you know uh, they have guests from other promotions and these old interpromotional matches that that, you know, that perhaps people only get to see once a year. I certainly can see that concept being a, a successful one, um, you know, like a big sort of super show type of thing where it's like, you know, the best of Global, the best of Ring of Honor, and the best of TNA or Lucha Underground or whoever it may be. But at the same time, I also understand, um, you know, when it comes to guys like Ring of Honor and stuff, their desire to sort of maintain their... Um, uh, brand integrity, you know, and I'm certainly not suggesting that associating with like TNA or anyone like that is going to harm their integrity, but that, you know, but they have to take that, they have to take that into consideration when it comes to, you know, working with other brands. Like, it, because certainly I can say this, um, that, you know, the one observation I made, uh, coming into global was, look, you know, there's, there's, there's a value here in being, in, in being our own, deal you know i don't want people to think that me leaving tna and put being put, you know and joining jeff at, at global is like some kind of storyline because it's certainly not you know and that was my big concern because like, everyone gonna think this is just a this is it's just a work you know and it, it's not like i and and that's why i'm not really involved in any of this uh storyline stuff because you know i had sort of i'd had my time at tna and i'd, and I'd sort of um made the decision to be to be done with it and I left it on as high a note as I could leave it with the, the match with James um, so I just uh, I see the I see both sides and I think that in um, in in limited doses and um, you know with a, enough communication which is I, I absolutely think is the most important thing um, it, it could be beneficial but yeah small doses Great. Well, we really do appreciate the, the time, Nick. Uh, we just have a little bit more time here. We actually have some fan questions if you have a little bit of time to take them real quick. Sure, sure. Okay. This one right here from Scott. You said on the Talking Shop podcast that Kevin Nash has been a big help to your career and is a good friend. What is the coolest thing you've ever seen Kevin Nash do? <laughs> oh, gosh. Um, well, 
I don't know if it's the coolest thing I have ever seen him do, but I, I, he, um, I'll tell this story. I don't know why this just popped into my head, but I think it's because on, on that on the talking shop, I talked about how Kevin is the reason why they go on about Bud Light Limes all the time because indirectly through me, Davari and I, I want to take credit for the, being the first wrestlers to openly drink Bud Light Limes, and uh, Kevin, Kevin, you know, I told the story on talking shop, like you know, a lot of the boys used to make fun of us, like, "Well, you're drinking those fruity beers," you know, like me and Davari be like, "We don't care, like we like them, they're refreshing," you know, and then like Kevin drank one, was like, "That's delicious," and suddenly everyone's like, "Oh, I like Bud Light Limes, I'll have one," and um, but this one day I had a I had a uh, photo shoot, it was my first photo shoot for Muscle and Fitness. I've been fortunate enough. They've profiled me two or three times now. And um, the first one I was going to do, I was really excited about it. You know, like they were going to cover me. They gave me like, I think it was like eight pages in, in Muscle and Fitness. And I was like, you know, I was such a mark for Muscle and Fitness. And I was, I was like 23, I think, at the time. And I was getting ready to shoot the next day at the Golds in Orlando before the TV tapings. And I made the silly mistake of telling Kevin, who's a big bodybuilding fan himself, I said, you know, we were just sitting there, and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, we're doing a shoot tomorrow for Muscle and Fitness, you know, with, with Lee at the Gold Gym, and he's like, yeah, and I said, yeah, oh, that's awesome, like, let's get some more drinks, you know, and then he, he proceeded to make me drink about, like, 25 beers or something that night, like, and of course, he's a giant, so he's like, you know, every one, you know, every, like, one sort of chug for him is, like, about five for me, and so, like, he's just motoring through these beers, he did it on purpose, like, he just wanted, to, and of course, you know, he just wanted to see if I would crack and you know I, I don't know if some I have I still I have a bit of that old school sort of respect my elders thing in me so I just sat there and you know I just kept drinking until he said it was time to go and I was like uh, so I sat there and Kevin to his credit paid for everything which is always you know which was very generous of us but like I remember just sitting there thinking oh my god like I've drunk like 25 beers like my my gut felt like it was going to explode and I was like I've got a photo shoot for muscle and fitness tomorrow and like, Kevin's like it's fine it'll all wash it out you'll look great like you know, he totally ripped me. <laughs> Dude, you got to hit him up for that uh, cameo spot in Magic Mike 3. Right, wouldn't that be nice? He, 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 I saw him, uh, we tagged together on a show a couple of weeks ago, and I, I said, I got there, and I said, Jesus Christ. I said, if I'd have known that you were going to be on the show, I'd have actually I'd have put more tanner on and like made more effort to bring my free workout and stuff. He put me to shame. <laughs> Yeah, he he yeah he looks amazing for his age. For he, sure. he looks he looks the best. He look, I think he might look the best he's ever looked. Yeah, based on especially based on those pics on Magic Mike with the film posters and stuff. Yeah, he's yeah I think. Well, he, I mean, I do well. He, you know, he they, he. I mean, he he trained like a Trojan for that movie. You know, he told me to. He was just you know he said like it was it was brutal. You know, but he had a trainer and was dieting like crazy. And obviously, you know, because he because he was obviously he took it seriously. Obviously, it was a big role for him. And, you know, so especially the second time around, he was, yeah, he, he looks as good as he's ever looked. He's a very impressive guy all around, really, Kevin. I don't think, I I, I think that Shawn Michaels' Hall of Fame speech, or his, his uh, induction speech for Kevin, um, is about as truthful and honest a sort of um, assessment of Kevin Nash's overall value to the business as anyone's ever done. And I, I wrote a little, I wrote a column um, for, for FSM after that because I was so I'd just seen Kevin before he went into the Hall of Fame I'd seen him that day and you know congratulated him and everything and he just met my son and stuff and I told, and I told him then I said you know this, like, you, if anyone deserves it it's you because you know you, you, you've done a lot for the boys and, and I was really glad that Shawn Michaels uh, you know described that to everybody because he really did 
you know, he really uh, he really laid a lot of groundwork for, for um, you know, for, for what the boys could get, you know, out of out of the business, um, you know, which which doesn't which, which isn't lost on me, you know, because I I mean don't, I certainly never made anywhere near the kind of the kind of coin that any of those guys are making in WCW, but I did have a um, I did have a pretty solid you know guaranteed uh, contract and stuff, and and you know all of that foundation for those type of things was really all set by by Kevin back in the 90s so you know he's a, a very big influence on the business that people don't necessarily understand always you mentioned writing for fighting spirit magazine you've been doing that for uh, quite a while now uh, do you think more yeah. wrestlers got to kind of take your lead and maybe put themselves out there a little more not just necessarily retweet things but you know do columns do podcasts like talking shop just to kind of I guess put out put their brand out there more let fans get to know them a bit I, I mean, I think it, that's definitely happening. I, I think that I'm, I'm setting a precedent. I think I'm the only wrestler without who doesn't have a podcast now. But um, you know, I, I I've always been yeah. The, the, the whole the column thing was another thing that just came about sort of by chance. I got they asked if I would. It's funny because FSM I really owe a lot to them because they uh, James Denton, who was the editor at the time, was the guy who reached out to me and said, "Hey, can we interview you for the magazine after I got on Gladiators?" You know, they wanted to sort of cover my indie wrestling in England and stuff, and then and then my foray into Gladiators and stuff. And um, as it happened, I was just I was so sort of busy at the time because of Gladiators and all the commitments with that that I said, "I said, would it be easier if you just email me the questions and maybe I can write the answers because I want to make sure that you get everything you need." And I think that he, it, there must have been something in the way I phrased it because he sensed what I was driving at, which was, hey, I wanted to show you that I could write, you know what I mean? And and and, and I did. That wasn't in, entirely my intention was to see if he could, you know, that, could see that there was a little bit of writing ability there. And he sure enough came back and went, have you ever thought about having a column? You know, we could we could pay you a little bit, and and you know, I'm sure that it would be it would be an interesting thing, and and never looked back and you know been through a couple of different editors now they've all been great and brian uh is doing a great job now as the editor and it's um it's rewarding to me like it's it's nice you know it's it's not like i make a ton of money from it or anything like that but i you know it's a little bit of pocket money and it's nice when when we do things like um comic cons or or you know appearances and that sort of thing and somebody comes up and says hey i read your column and i enjoy it you know like and when we did uh, Jeff and I just did uh, Chris Jericho's podcast a couple of weeks ago, and 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 Chris, you know, blew me away because he just said like, "Oh, I read your column every month. I really enjoy it." And I was just like, "That's crazy to me that that you know that like that that's still not lost on me that like that's that's not something I ever expected was to hear Chris Jericho go, "Hey, I read your column and I really enjoy it." You know, that's a that's a that's a very rewarding feeling. Yeah, that's definitely pretty kick-ass to, to get it from a legend yeah. like that. And, yeah. and, and speaking of another legend who I think is, is very, very uh, underrated in, in his career, uh, Jay George asks, does Doug Williams have the best handshake in all of pro wrestling? <laughs> yeah, he, he, to, to, uh, not, to tread on the, not to tread on the toes of another um, great Brit, but he, he's, he's very regal, isn't he, when he, when he does that handshake? It's, yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite things I used to do was, was when me and Doug were a team, we used to do that double team like we I, I don't know what it's called like we'd snatch him and do the sort of double hangman thing and, and, and fall back and then we'd stand up and do the handshake and I'd like I just I went out of my way to just to, to glide into that in the most ridiculous way possible every time but yeah Doug I mean, he, he, he may have the best handshake yeah 
Okay, we'll take one last one here. I don't want to put you on the on the spot with this, but you know this this is a, a question that a few people have asked. Uh, this is from Nick here. Uh, you seem to have the look and ring skill that New Japan and WWE would really like. Could we see you in one of those rings within a year? Within a year, I mean that's not a question I can answer because I just I don't I don't have the answer. I mean that's that's more up to them than it is to me. Um, I've never been in contact with. New Japan. I would love to, uh, you know, I, I hope that they maintain their relationship with Global Force, you know, because obviously then it would, I would love to, I would love to get a chance. Like, they're, 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 they might be the best company in the world right now, I think, you know, in a lot of ways. And it's, it's great. It's funny to me to see Akada become, you know, their, like, their top guy or, you know, one of their absolute sort of standout performers, you know, because we're about the same age and, he was in TNA, you know, like a while back when I was there, and we were really essentially in the same position, just sort of just representing different promotions, and we were both like sort of guys kind of tipped for to be champion one day type of thing, and, and to see him go on to be as as good as he is, and to and to be, you know, I see a lot of parallels sometimes in in almost in the way he's, you know, in, in some of his struggles. You know that I had the same thing where it's like he's you know you got big shoes to fill and you really you know he puts a lot of pressure on himself and I completely relate to that but he's he's handling it tremendously well so it's like the, you know a little part of me goes like I'd love to wrestle him and Tanahashi and you know Nakamura might be my favorite to watch in the whole business at the moment AJ is absolutely killing it like what a rebirth he's had you know and and that would be another guy I'd love to. You know, to wrestle in, in, I'd like to wrestle AJ in real circumstances, you know, in better circumstances and not, you know, so that, that we can finally sort of put to bed all the, all that, all that business from, you know, when he left TNA, where unfortunately I was just sort of the wrong place at the wrong time, you know, like, because he's, to me, I think AJ is the best in the business. And, you know, obviously that's who you want to work with when you're, when you're trying to, when you're trying to hang in there, you know, that's who you want to work with. If you're a good pro, you want to work with the best in the business. But, and just real quick with that AJ match that you had, that was AJ's last match in TNA. It, it was very bizarre to me watching that because I think most people that follow the business knew that that was going to be his last match for a while. And it was just so bizarre because you would think like they would book you a little bit or a lot stronger because you were the guy staying and, and the world champion. But he was almost booked like he was going to return. Was that ever the plan for him to eventually come back and you guys going to have a one-on-one -on -one legit match? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that they hoped that. I think that it's surprised. I I don't know. I mean, this is just this is completely speculative. I don't have anything. I don't have any, um, you know, any knowledge to, to base this off. But but my hunch is that I think that they, I think they thought like, oh, he just needs to get this out of the system, and then he'll come back. And and, and I and I had, I had a lot of a lot of the boys echoed sort of similar sentiments like, oh, he just you know he'll, he'll be back soon. He just needs to. You know, get this out of the system or whatever, and but I, I don't know. I mean, you know, in fairness to TNA, um, we were in a bit of a tough spot because I had suffered a concussion. Um, but at the same time, I just, I just made the point of like, why don't we just forget the whole thing then? You know what I mean? Like, it, if you're gonna, if you're gonna have AJ look unbeatable on the way out, why not just, why not just kind of. Big, why not just forget the whole thing and just and just say yeah he was he was the champion and he vacated the belt you know like rather than I don't know it, it, it's it's 
I try not to live in the past. You know what I mean? Regal once said, "If you if you if you live in the past, you die every day," and I I completely agree with that.